0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the Real Life Northside podcast. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, and you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. Check out the descriptions for ways to stay in touch or to get involved. Let's take a look at this week's message. Well, turn to Luke chapter 17 in your Bible or Bible app. You can find it in the table of contents or it's toward the back. And let me pray. God, I'm so desperate for your leadership today. I love, we were just praying that you would pour your spirit out. God, we need your spirit today, just as we need him every single day to teach us, to guide us. God, I need an anointing from your spirit today as I speak, but we need your anointing every day as we engage with our communities and as we share the good news of your son. Thank you, God, that you didn't consider your life too precious to keep it for, from us but you gave it on that cross. God, we're in awe of you. We love you. Open our ears, open our hearts so that we can hear your word. pray all this in Jesus' name today. Amen. Amen. Well, I thought today uh, it would be a good morning to do a sanity check. So, okay, we're going to test whether you're sane today. I know you didn't sign up for this. We're going to do a sanity test. So, asylums, back in the day, this isn't something they do today, They do a test to see if someone is ready to be released back into society. Are they ready to integrate back in, right? So some of you may need to leave after this. I don't know, like be committed, but I'm certainly one of them. The test was this. They take the person and put them in a room, a small room with a sink in the corner. They'd plug the sink and turn the water on. So the water starts overflowing, cascading onto the floor around them. And they would bring the person in, hand them a mop and say, clean up the water. Then they'd leave for 10, 15 minutes. When they came back in, they'd find one of two things. One, the people who are ready to go back into society, who are deemed sane, will have turned off the faucet and will be mopping up the water after turning off the source. People who are not ready to be integrated in society, and I'm not joking, they're there mopping the water as the water is continuing to roll over the sink, right? That's a real test that people use to check sanity. See, when we're not sane, we tend to do things and not, not think about what the true priorities are in any given moment. Jesus today in our passage is going to ask us to be sane, and here's what I mean. Jesus isn't afraid of, of controversial topics. I hope you you've probably noticed this as we we're going through Luke. He talks about money all the time, right? Today, he's going to talk about something that's really big in our world, and that's the end times, Okay. Some of you are like, yes, I love the end times. Some of you are like, can I leave, right? I I hate it. I don't know. Some of you don't even know what we're talking about. So the end times, Jesus came once, and he came and he raised up a group of disciples to take the good news of Jesus's kingdom into the world. And then he died on a cross for our sins so that we wouldn't have to be separated from him for eternity. And after he died, he didn't stay dead, but he rose again. And eventually he left and he ascended into heaven and commissioned his disciples to take this good news to the world. Jesus came the first time, and Jesus said, I'm coming again, and this is such good news, because Jesus says, I know things are not fixed. I know I came, and I know there's still brokenness in the world, and I'm sending you out into the brokenness to shine my light, but I'm going to come again, and I'm going to make everything right again. So Jesus is coming a second time. When we talk about end times, The problem is, everyone has, it seems like, three different opinions on how it's going to go. People don't agree, and we're like, oh, is Jesus coming now? And what I hear all the time is, Jesus is coming tomorrow. I know he's coming soon. I know he's doing that. Uh, 2,000 years ago, the disciples were doing the same thing. There's a a lot of controversy about end times, and what I see a lot in myself and other people is it's so easy to fixate on that and forget that, yes, Jesus is coming again. That means something. That means there's something that he's given us to do right now and be a part of his mission. So we're going to talk about that. Jesus is going to check all of our sanity today. So without further ado, jumping into Luke's chapter 17, verse 20, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. See, the the people in Israel during Jesus' time, they're looking for this Roman empire who's brutally oppressing them to be pushed away and pushed out, and they're waiting for God to do that, and they're so ready for his kingdom to come. And Jesus drops a bombshell on them here. He says, my kingdom has no borders. It has no boundary lines, it has no walls, it has no centralized government that tells you what to do. He says, my kingdom is in people's hearts. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of the heart not of boundaries, and Jesus is, Jesus is shocking these people because they're so ready, they're like, we know, we've got this all figured out. Jesus says, no, my kingdom isn't one where you can look and say, hey, there, there's where Jesus' kingdom is. Good news, every single one of you in this room who've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are Jesus' kingdom. His kingdom lives inside of you and inside of me, and Satan can't beat that kingdom. World governments can't beat that kingdom. Jesus says, I came to bring a different kingdom than what you expected I was going to. Jesus is gonna turn his attention now to his disciples. He says, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things, And be rejected by this generation. Jesus is saying, look, there are people out there who will tell you, here's here's Jesus' kingdom. There Jesus is. He's come again. He's going to be there. That's the time. That's the place. And Jesus says, don't pay attention to any of them. (laughs) He says, don't listen to them. Don't worry about that because you're not going to miss it. Here's why. When I come back, it's going to be like lightning flashing through the sky. How many of you heard the thunderstorm on Monday night, Tuesday morning, saw the lightning on all that? You're better than I am. I slept like a baby through the whole thing. I sleep like a rock. My wife had to tell me all about it the next morning, but I think about that. When I see, a, see the lightning and I hear the thunder, there's no mistaking what's going on. It's very painfully obvious. Jesus says, look, when I come back, you're gonna know it. You're gonna see me. I'm going to be there, and like it goes across the sky, so I'll be visible to you all. He says, don't worry about missing it. I'm going to come, and it's going to happen. But Jesus is now gonna tell us a little bit about what it's going to look like when he comes. And this is where there's a bit of a turn because things are gonna get a little bit difficult. Jesus says this, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Okay, so that got a little bit heavy, right? There's one righteous man and his family, eight in all, that were saved, the rest of the world, all the people were wiped out by God's flood that he sent there. It says that's what the coming of the Son of Man is gonna be like. He's gonna give us another cheery story here, okay? Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Again, Sodom and Gomorrah, these two cities, They brutally oppressed other people. They took advantage of them. They did evil things to them. Terrible cities. What God did was he pulled Lot and his family, the only people who were righteous in the city, out, and then he wiped the cities out. Again, another heavy story. Jesus continues, On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in this house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. So as Lot and his family were leaving the city, His wife turned back, longingly looking at Sodom. And this is weird, but she was turned to a pillar of salt and died right there. Remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? And Jesus is gonna say the, uh, the most cheerful statement of all. He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather, right? Uh, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, and he has some things to say to his disciples. He wants to prepare them. And so what he's doing is he's highlighting the reality. He says, yes, when I return, my second coming, it's going to be awesome, because all the pain is gonna be gone. Every tear, I'm gonna wipe away all the evil in the world it's going to be gone but here's the other aspect of it every person who's chosen to follow their own way and not mine they will all be destroyed that's that is very heavy jesus says look know that when the son of man comes it's going to be great for you it's not going to be great for other people and that's going to that's going to fuel a lot of what we're going to talk about today because we are here for a reason we're here for a mission and we need to not be distracted by what's going on. Now, the Bible talks a lot about Jesus' second coming. He came once, he's gonna come again. And that's something the people in Jesus' world would have been extremely familiar with because Roman Caesars did this all the time. When a city was devastated by an earthquake or by a, a foreign army coming through or something, the city of Thessalonica, which is a weird name, but it was a city in, in Turkey, when it was devastated twice by earthquakes, each time a, the Roman Caesar would come, And he'd survey the city, look at the destruction, say, yep, that's a mess. And then he would give funds to the people in order to rebuild. That was the idea. He'd leave them with something so that they could rebuild, and then he'd leave. But what they knew was he was going to come back. He wasn't going to just let them do their own thing. He was going to come back to see, what did you do with the resources I left you? Where did you go? How did you use them? So if the people took the resources and said, we're going to spend them on ourself. We're going to do whatever we want. The Caesar would come back and wipe them all out. What I do with what the Caesar gives me really matters. And I want to honor the Caesar with how I spend his money, his wealth, right? Jesus always talks about himself as a second coming. And here's something we're supposed to understand from this. Jesus is coming again. Amen. It's going to be so good. And he's going to want to see what have we done with what he left us what have we done with the salvation he gave us? What have we allowed the gift of the spirit in our life to do through us and other people's lives? What have we done with what Jesus gave us? Here's the challenge with end times for me, and I've been caught in this so many times, is it's so easy to get wrapped up in charts and graphs and figuring out China and Russia and Iran and how, how does everyone figure into all of this, when in reality, that's distracting me from what Jesus actually has for me right in front of me. What I'm doing is I'm taking the resources he has for me, and I'm not using them well. And it's, it's great to love those things and to research and study those, but Jesus says, don't forget what's most important. There's something afoot. So I'm going to give you three things today, three things that Jesus is asking us to do as the end times approach, whether that's now or another 2,000 years from now, right? Remember those people, they thought for sure it was the next day. And Jesus says, nope, not in your day. Here's some things that Jesus says that are timeless. Number one, don't get distracted from the mission of Jesus. Don't do it. I have some good news for you today. If you have a hard time hearing what Jesus says and then not putting into action and then hearing it again and not putting into action again, you're in such great company. Not just me, but the people in our Bible. I'm gonna read you a passage from Acts chapter one where Jesus' disciples are with him and this is right before he's about to ascend into heaven. He's about to leave them, and he's going to send his spirit to guide them. This is what happens. Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore a kingdom? Remember, Jesus is like, hey, don't worry about where it's going to be. My kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. Here they are, back to square one. Hey, Jesus, are you going to bring the kingdom of Israel back again? He's like, did you learn nothing while I was with you, right? I, I'm sure he says that to me all the time, too, right? So Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. So congratulations, Jesus doesn't want you to know when he's going to come back. He, th- that is flat out not for us to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. By the way, that's the Greek word martyrs. That's where you get the word martyrs from because early Jesus' witnesses paid for it with their lives. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's like saying in your city and in the city next to you, and then all over the place. It's like, you're going to be my witnesses. You're wondering when the nation of Israel's is coming. It's going to happen. Like, you're king- the kingdom's going to be restored. It's good news. But I don't want you to know when that is because I want you to focus on something else. Go. Go and share the good news of my gospel with people. That's what he said before he left him. He said, as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. There's a mission that we're called to that he wants us to be a part of. Well, the disciples still didn't get it. In the same passage, by the way, so it continues. After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, right? They're, they're still just, just watching. When's he going to come back? Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. When you see white-robed men, those are angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Did you you miss the message? Why are you here? Why are you looking after Jesus? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. What's happening? These disciples, they're they're still stuck in this idea of a physical kingdom, and, and are you gonna make everything right? And Jesus says, go. And then they're still, they're looking up, watching him, and the angels come and say, hey, he gave you something to go. Go and do it. Go and be a part of this mission. You see, this mission is something we've all been called to. And when I am distracted, when I'm looking in the wrong places at the wrong things, what's going to happen is people are not going to make it. Remember what I talked about. When Jesus comes back, there are going to be people who don't know him, people who eternally separated from Jesus. That should inspire me, that should inspire us to go and pursue and chase those lost people with all the passion we have. Jesus could come back tomorrow. That's very, very bad news for a lot of people, right? So today, we can work and labor with all the energy he's given us, led by his spirit, to chase and pursue people who are lost. Jesus says, please be a part of my mission. I talked to a a woman last week uh, after service and I love the conversation. She was talking about end-time stuff, and I didn't agree with her on everything, which is fine, because I'm also wrong about a lot of things, right? That's irrelevant whether I agree with her. What I loved was at the end, and this is going to stick with me for a long time, she said, Grayson, I'm looking at our world, at America, all around us. What I'm seeing is people who are suffering, people who are hurting in in so much pain. She says, you know what that tells me? I need to go, and I need to be there, and I need to show them the hope of Jesus, and I need to... I need to bring them to him and show, him how, show them how good he is. That's what we're made to be. We're made to be a hospital for the hurting. We're made to go and bring the healing message of Jesus to so many people. Let's do it. Let, let's do what Jesus has said. Let's not get distracted. Let's let Jesus define what sanity is. And he says, sanity is running after people with all that you've got, because that's what I do, right? So first off, don't get distracted from Jesus's mission. The second thing that Jesus is always telling us is stay faithful, stay faithful. In Revelation, which talks a lot about end times, right? Over and over again, it says, stand firm, stand firm. To the one who endures to the end, I will give the crown of life. Over and over again, our scripture says, when things get tough, stand firm. Don't give up ground. And there, there are a couple ways. Number one is intimacy with Jesus. We all need it. And here's the crazy thing. I work here in a pastoral role at a church, right? Last summer during the height of COVID closures and all of that, we're figuring out how do we do church online? How do we continue to pursue people with the gospel when we can't be with them, we can't be around them? All this chaos and confusion and we're, we're all working extra and just loving on people. And somewhere in the middle of that, I forgot I was in a relationship with Jesus. Right in the middle of doing the work that he sent me to do. And there, there, was about, there was about a couple weeks there where all of a sudden I'm getting stressed and I'm getting anxious and uh, this is not bringing a lot of joy and I feel like my efforts are failing me. And Jesus says, yes, of course, because it's all based on a relationship with me. Jesus says this, this is in John 15. He tells us, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, empowering statement from Jesus here, you can do nothing. <laughs> Congratulations, you can't do anything apart from Jesus. When I'm connected with him, what my error that I made was I disconnected, I got too distracted by what was going on, that I wasn't spending that intimate time with Jesus. And what ended up happening? The fruit died. What happens when you take a branch off of a tree? everything withers and dies it's impossible for that branch to bear fruit so it's impossible for us to bear fruit unless we're deeply intimately connected with Jesus and he wants that level of depth in relationship he doesn't just want to be the the neighbor you tip your hat to around the corner or i'm working hard on your behalf Jesus he says no i want to invade every area of your life and i want to love you and have this vibrant dynamic relationship with you that's who god is we are a people who often want to do. That's, a, that's kind of our culture. Do, 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 work hard. And actually, as a follower of Jesus, my doing has to spring out of my being. My relationship with Jesus is what's gonna lead to what I do and what I accomplish, and whether it's actually productive or not. So am I connected in that intimate relationship with Jesus or not? It's so easy to slip and slide out of focus with that. Jesus' invitation is, look, the world may seem crazy right now. You might not understand what's going on. You might know, not know the day or hour when I'm coming, but that's okay. I know all of that stuff. Connect to me. I'll take care of it. I'll lead you and I'll guide you. The other aspect of staying faithful is resisting temptation. And I can tell you, quarantine did not do well for many, many of us when it comes to temptation. Withdrawing from community, isolating, what I heard is so many stories about marriages on the rocks, families splitting up, Kids wandering away from Jesus. I heard stories about pornography addictions re- flaring up. I heard of f- f- chemical addictions, alcohol, drugs, that people had thought, I'm never gonna touch that again, all resurfacing because of this time, because we need each other. Temptation is out there. But I have good news for you again, because Jesus, it says in Hebrews, he himself was tempted in every way. So whatever you're being tempted by, yes, Jesus was tempted in that way. You don't believe it? Well, that's what the word says. Jesus was tempted the same way you were, but he was without sin. He beat it every single time, never once gave in to temptation, so he can help you who's being tempted right now. Jesus has so much power, and we look at how he did that, too. He was tempted in the desert when he was at his weakest. The devil came to him, and he's like, hey, you should turn those stones into bread. You're hungry. You're God. You can do it. And every single time, Jesus responded, and if I was God, I'd say, you're Satan, I'm God, get out of here, right? Like, I have all authority, all power over you. Instead, what did he do every single time? It is written. Every single time he went to the word. God's word is there to protect our hearts, to guard us from temptation. Part of me being intimate with Jesus is learning to engage with his word and allowing him to speak to me through it, right? If you've fallen into temptation, I have, I have hope for you today Jesus doesn't want to kick you while you're down. <laughs> Jesus wants to bring forgiveness and healing and wholeness to you. He says, if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to purify you from all that unrighteousness. Jesus offers healing and forgiveness from that temptation. If you're stuck in temptation, scripture says you need other people. If you, will, if you want to be forgiven, awesome, go to God. If you want to be healed, we need each other. We need to be with each other. So invitations for temptation. Number one, focus on scripture. What does scripture actually say? Counter the lies of Satan with the truth of God's word, right? Second, God gives you healing. He gives you forgiveness. He loves you. But the third part is we need each other. And that's what COVID was so hard for with us being cooped up inside. We need each other to hold each other up and to bring that healing from temptation. So first off, Jesus invites us to not get distracted from his mission. Second off, he invites us to stay faithful to him. And the third one is possibly the hardest of all, and that's to suffer well, suffer well. This is very anti-American, by the way. In my culture and in my life, and I gravitate toward this too, I'm suffering averse. I wanna get as far away from it. I wanna relieve it. I wanna get out of it. Problem is, a lot of times suffering, you can't just do that with. It's stuck there with you. And one of the hallmarks of Jesus' kingdom and his people is we, over the years, have suffered so well. And this is real suffering. This isn't fake stuff like stub your toe. This is deep, painful, fundamental on your soul level suffering. And I've talked to so many people every week. They come. I've heard so many cancer diagnoses lately. I've heard so many people who have injured themselves. So many people starting to walk toward divorce So many kids walking away and not caring about their families. There's so much real pain in our world right now and in our church. And how we handle suffering and how we handle pain is gonna tell the world a story about our God. Either it's gonna tell the world that our God is no different from your God, whoever he, she, it might be, right? Or it's gonna tell them our God is greater and our God gives us hope and healing in the middle of suffering. Our God sustains us. And when we look at him, we know that it's going to be okay because he's going to help us. That doesn't mean that we're not in the suffering and pain. But what that does mean is we have a hope that we can cling to in that moment. The world's looking, the world's watching. How are they gonna respond? And a lot of times, even for myself, I look and I see, I look just like everyone else. And that's not the story wants to tell. There's another aspect of suffering too. And this is something I've had a lot of conversations with people lately about, That's that, man, things don't seem to be going the way of Christianity in America right now. Things seem to be sliding, and there are lots of feelings of defeat and all these sorts of things. But I want to let you in on a little secret from history. When Christianity has been at the pointy end of the sword, it has thrived. When people are being persecuted, that first century church, we talk about persecution today. Their families were on the line. The Caesars at different times were trying to kill their families and them for being Christian. That sort of persecution, what happens? You think, man, that's going to stamp out Christianity. No. In 200 years, there were 3 million Christians in the Roman Empire. Why? Because of the suffering, because they were at the pointy end of the sword. But I can tell you what's not good for Christianity, when we're at the handle end of the sword. When we hold and wield authority and power, that gives Jesus a black eye so many times. And and one thing about America is we've historically been at the handle end of the sword, like legislation. it comes from this kind of Christ-centered worldview and all of that sort of thing. But right now, that's starting to slip. and what what's happening is a lot of ways we're pushing back. But Jesus says, "It's okay. I've got you. I've got you. When persecution starts to rise, the church starts to thrive, right? Suffer well. And that's really hard for us. I don't know about you, but when I'm in suffering, that's the last thing I want. The first thing I want is to get out of it, and Jesus says, "Don't worry. I've got you. I love Paul's words. He says, look, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I'm all on board with that, right? Like, yes. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul's like, when I want to know Jesus, I want the whole enchilada. I don't just want the good things. I also want to experience the sufferings that it brings my way, knowing that now I understand and I know Jesus at a deeper level three things. Don't get distracted from the mission. Number two, stay faithful, and we need each other for that. And the third is suffer well. When I look at end times, at Jesus coming back, there's so many lost, so many helpless and hurting. Jesus says, be sane. Don't get distracted by the water on the floor. I want you to be the people who go and turn off the faucet, who want, Who go with me Help bring hope into this broken world. Jesus says, I'm coming again, and I'm so excited for that day because I have such high hopes and expectations that when I come, you'll be able to show me what you did with what I gave you. You'll be able to show me the lives that were transformed by the work of the Spirit in your life. You'll be able to show me this gospel that has gone out to you has not just stayed with you. It's gone out to other people. Jesus is so ready to watch his kingdom explode in this world, and what's holding it back is me, and I don't know about you, but this, this was a really hard one to study but study for because I was extremely convicted all the way through it, but as, a, as I'm reading and as I'm letting Jesus speak to me, I was just so, so inspired to say, I want to be that kind of a person, and I know real life, we can be that kind of a church. We can be those kinds of people who are part of Jesus's kingdom, and he works through us. I love that image that Jesus gave us of lightning flashing across the sky. When I come, that's who I'm going to be. Did you know that Jesus said he's the light of the world? Pretty well known, right? Did you know he also said that you are the light of the world? We, his church, are the light of the world. And I have this, this vision in my heart. What if we took that seriously? What if we did allow Jesus to come even in the middle of our suffering and work miraculous things through us. If we were people who loved God to this level, who considered everything we have to be his, we would be like lightning across the sky because people would look at us and say, that guy is weird. I need to know him. I want to figure out what's going on with that guy because the whole world's crumbling and he's at peace. That's who Jesus is inviting us to be. I'm all in. How are you feeling real life? Yeah? We can be those kinds of people as we're led through Jesus' spirit. Now, some of you today, you probably are going, Jesus who? Or, man, I've heard about Jesus, but this is new, and and I, I want to know who he is. Jesus is inviting you right now into a deep, personal, intimate relationship with him. He's inviting you to take his sacrifice, to follow him with everything you've got, to allow him to cleanse you and to give you a new life. If that's you, if you're taking that step right now, we would love to help you take your first step of obedience and that's baptism. Baptism is a symbol of us going, we go under the water and come back up. That's a symbol of Jesus going into the grave and raising again. Jesus says, just like that, your old life is dead and I'm creating a new creation. If that's you and your next step is baptism, we have a couple, Dustin and Amber in the back, who would love to help you take that next step. We have shirts, shorts, towels, so don't worry if you didn't bring the right apparel. We've got you covered. We'd love to celebrate with you. So when the music starts here in a minute, that's your cue to go back. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so good to us. I love this this heartbeat, this passion you have. You tell us, I'm going to come again and I'm going to make everything right. And my heart inside me yearns for that, longs for that day when you will make all things right. But I also feel the urgency with which you said that, saying, look, there's so many people who don't know me. God, use us, your hands, your feet in Spokane and all over the world to show the goodness of our God and to offer people the same thing you offered us in the first time, to believe in you and to be saved. God, help us to be a people who doesn't just show up on a Sunday for service, who isn't just Christian one day a week, but our lives are infused with your presence and your power inside of us. God, thank you that you didn't just give us a little bit, you opened wide, the doors of heaven, and you showered us with the blessings of your presence. God, help us to carry it well and to love people well. We love you, God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name today. Amen. 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 Thanks so much for tuning in to the Real Life Northside podcast. We hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Again, take a look at the description for ways to get connected or get involved. We love you.